Well, hello, thank you so much for joining us today. Wherever you're hooking into this online, thank you so much for being part of our meeting today. And my name's Phil Wilthew. I'm part of the leadership team at King's Arms, and it's a real pleasure to share the Word of God with you today. And I don't know about you, but there's a real sense of hope and optimism in the air at the moment, perhaps more than there has been for many, many months, certainly in the United Kingdom. Uh, spring is in the air, the trees are in blossom, uh, lockdowns are starting to gradually be lifted. Uh, many of us, myself included, have had our first COVID jabs. Um, and this, of course, is Easter season where we remember that Jesus is alive. And that is a cause for hope in every single season in which we find ourselves in because we don't serve a dead God, but a God who is alive forever. And so we worship him and remember him this Easter time in a particularly special way. And today as we turn to the word of God, we're going to be in Acts chapter 1. If you've got a Bible, you might like to turn to Acts chapter 1 and we're going to read there together in a few moments. And I want to focus on an absolutely critical Christian doctrine when it comes to understanding the person and work of Jesus Christ and yet in all my 39 years of being a Christian I don't think I've heard a single message about this particular subject and yet I would contend with you it's possibly one of the most important and most neglected of Christian doctrines and really when it comes to considering the work and the person of Jesus you've got four key pillars to understand him and his work on the earth. So firstly, you've got the incarnation of Jesus. So the incarnation is that God became flesh and dwelt amongst us. Jesus was born as a baby in a manger, that he clothed himself with frail mortality. He entered this life as a man, the incarnation of Jesus. Uh, secondly, you've got the passion of Christ, which is everything to do with the death of Jesus on the cross, that he paid for our sin, that the punishment that brought us peace was laid upon Jesus at the cross. Thirdly, you've got the resurrection of Jesus. So Jesus defeated the grave. He defeated sin. He defeated death and he was raised to life on the third day, which means that he now can give new life to all those who trust in him. So that's the first three Christian doctrines, which we hear quite a lot about, the incarnation, the passion of Christ, and the resurrection of Christ. Well, there is a fourth pillar of our understanding about the work of Jesus, and it's the one that we're gonna look at together today, and it's this, the ascension of Jesus. The moment where Jesus was taken from the earth back into heaven and sat down at the right hand of his father in heavenly places the ascension of Jesus and this is an absolutely critical message for us to recover today and so we're going to read Luke's account of the ascension of Jesus and Luke wrote two books in the Bible he wrote his own gospel account of the life of Jesus Luke's gospel but then he also wrote a history of the early church called the Acts of the Apostles and what Luke does is that he closes out his account of Jesus life by talking about the ascension of Jesus into heaven and he starts his account of the early church with exactly the same event the ascension of Jesus this is how Luke a great doctor great history writer decides how to start the account of his work of the early church and end the 
account of his of the life of Jesus with the same event, the ascension of Christ. And so we're going to read uh, together in Acts chapter one and we'll start in verse one. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles that he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And here's the key thing for today. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way as you have seen him go into heaven. So this is the moment that Luke records at the start of his history of the early church of Jesus entering heaven in the clouds of glory to go and sit down at his father's right-hand side. And this event clearly had great importance for the early preachers of the gospel. If you read those early accounts of people talking about their faith, the ascension plays a really big role, including the very first sermon that was ever preached by Peter in Acts chapter 2. The climax of Peter's message to the crowds in Jerusalem that gather to hear him teach. The climax is not actually the resurrection, but that Jesus now has been exalted to the right hand of God. That's Acts 2.33. That's the climax of Peter's message, the exaltation of Jesus in his ascension. Uh, the same is true in Philippians 2, which is said by many to be the first ever written Christian hymn that we have. Philippians 2, you can read it uh, right there. These beautiful words about the nature and the work of Jesus. And yet Paul, as he pens those words, he skips straight from the death of Jesus to the ascension of Jesus. He doesn't even mention the resurrection. He's like, Jesus was obedient even unto death on a cross. Therefore, God has exalted him to the highest place, given him the name that is above every other name. Paul says, listen, Jesus died and now he's been exalted to the right hand of the Father. Jesus himself, when he meets Mary at the tomb, you may remember, he says to Mary, listen, Mary, don't hold on to me. Why? Because I have not yet ascended to the Father. And he says to Mary on that occasion, go and tell my brothers, not that I've been raised from the dead, go and tell my brothers, I am about to ascend to the Father. That's John 20 verse 
17. Even Jesus says, listen guys, here's the important event you need to know. I'm ascending. And so this begs the question for us as we read the Bible together today, why was the ascension of Jesus so important? And why does it matter so much for us today? Well, I'm gonna suggest you very briefly three reasons why the ascension of Jesus matters. The first reason is this, the ascension shows us that Jesus now has authority to rule as our king. That's the first reason why the ascension matters. It's about the kingship of Jesus. And the idea of ascension in the time that the Bible was written was actually a really important one because at the time the Roman Empire was the dominant force in the world at the time and as various kind of Caesars and emperors of the Roman Empire would conquer different lands they would go on victory parades where they literally they would go through the streets and the cities parading their victory and it was said that even at the moment that the emperors the Caesars died that they would then ascend into the heavens where they themselves would become gods and that the cult of worshipping Caesars as deities was well known in the Roman Empire at the time because it was that they would ascend to the gods at their death. And so there is a very definite message in the gospel account that Jesus ascended to the Father because the gospel is saying this, Jesus is now the king of all kings. He's the king above every other emperor, every other Caesar. And God has now made Jesus the ultimate emperor and has given him a kingdom which will never pass away. Jesus has been exalted above every other rule and authority. He has been crowned king. And for the Jewish readers and hearers of the ascension, the message of Jesus being exalted, they immediately would have understood the ascension through the lens of reading Daniel chapter 7. And in Daniel chapter 7, we get this vision that Daniel sees about a son of man coming into the presence of the Father. And this is what we read in Daniel 7 verse 13. He says, In my vision at night I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. And he was given authority, glory, and sovereign power, and all nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. And his dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. Did he understand what we just read? Daniel, years before, hundreds and hundreds of year be years before the ascension of Jesus, sees this vision, and in this vision he sees one like a son of man. Now, how did Jesus refer to himself most frequently? As the son of man. Daniel saw the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven into the presence of the Father where he was given dominion and sovereign rule and glory and authority and that he would rule over all the nations of the earth and that he would be given a kingdom that would never be destroyed. And Jesus unashamedly owns Daniel 7 as speaking about himself. In fact, he says it to the high priest at his own trial. You can read it in Matthew and Mark's gospel. 
Mark, for example, Mark 14, 62, Jesus says to the Pharisees when they're questioning him, he says, you will see the son of man sitting at the right hand of the mighty one and coming on the clouds of heaven. Jesus is saying, I am the one that Daniel saw in Daniel chapter 7. I am the son of man. At my ascension, I will come on the clouds of heaven into the presence of my father, where I will be given sovereign rule and dominion as the king of kings over all of planet Earth. And some through the years have made the mistake that, you know, this phrase coming on the clouds of heaven is Jesus referring to his second coming sometime in the future. But I suggest to you that's not what Jesus meant at all. He is clearly referring to Daniel 7 and then to his ascension that the disciples witnessed with their own eyes, where he comes not from heaven to earth, but instead from earth to heaven. He comes in to the presence of the Father on the clouds of heaven, where he is crowned King of Kings and sits down. And this is what even Stephen, as he is being stoned, saw. We read this in Acts 7.55, Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, said Stephen, I see heaven opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. All this to say, why does the ascension matter? Well, it matters for this reason. Jesus has now been crowned King of Kings and the ascension is the demonstration of this fact. Without the ascension, you have no Christian message, but with it, we understand Jesus is now Lord of all. The second reason why the ascension matters is that it shows us that Jesus now has authority to reconnect heaven and earth together. It's the second reason why the ascension matters. And Luke specifically tells us this phrase that Jesus was taken up into heaven. And this is really, really significant. Now, we often, when we talk about heaven, we think about the geographical place that we go to when we die. You know, heaven is a bit like Bogner or Blackpool. It's just up there somewhere. It's like a place and it has some geography. And so when we think sometimes about the ascension of Jesus, we think of Jesus taking off like a rocket ship and flying to a geographical location up there somewhere into heaven where one day we're going to join him. But I would suggest to you that's not really what's going on in this particular passage because most frequently in the Bible, heaven is not referring to geography, it's referring to the rule and the realm of the king. When we talk about heaven in scripture, it's talking about the domain where God rules. It's the realm of his influence and his rule. And so what's happening at the ascension is Jesus is not kind of, you know, flying past Mars to finally get to heaven somewhere in the cosmos. Rather, he is hidden from the sight of the disciples and he enters the heavenly realm, the invisible realm where God is. And he sits down at the right hand of God in heavenly places. And this is important, and Ephesians 1 tells us why this is important. Ephesians 1 verse 9 says, And he has made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, pleasure which he purposed in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to bring all things in heaven and on earth together in Christ. 
let me just summarize that it says this was god's plan to bring all things heaven and earth together in christ that was god's plan you see god's plan was so much bigger than just your personal salvation my personal forgiveness it was about that but god's plan had a cosmic nature to it god's plan was not just to sort my life out but to sort the whole universe out the whole cosmos to actually unite two things that had been separated since the beginning of time heaven and earth united in jesus you see, at the, the beginning of the story, you can read about it in Genesis 1, 2, and 3. You can read the story. At the beginning of creation in the Garden of Eden, heaven and earth were not two separate places. They were joined. They were united. And you get this incredible description of the Garden of Eden, this place of paradise, as a place where God and man the heavenly and the earthly walked together in the cool of the garden. Heaven, the realm where God is, earth, the realm made for man and woman, connected together, joined together in paradise. You know, Eden wasn't just paradise because there were some nice flowers there. It was paradise because God and man could coexist in perfect unity. That's how God intended it. Heaven and earth together, God and man together. And of course, the tragedy is that when sin enters the story, heaven and earth and God and man get disconnected from one another. They no longer walk together because sin has brought a separation. And so what happens in the person of Jesus is that God's plan to reunite heaven and earth and God with man come together in Christ because he is fully God and fully man, fully of the earth and fully of heaven. And when he ascends to the Father's right hand side, he is saying the work of reconnecting heaven and earth has now been finished in me. And just as heaven and earth met in the Garden of Eden, just as they met at the Ark of the Covenant, just as they met in the Holy of Holies in the temple, so all these things find their perfect, true fulfillment in the person and work of Jesus. Jesus is the true Eden. He is the true Ark of the Covenant. He is the true Holy of Holies. He is the true temple. In him, God's big reconnection project is finished and fulfilled. And that's why the ascension matters so much. You remember that moment after Jesus' death where the curtain of the temple gets ripped, not from the bottom to the top, but from the top to the bottom. And that is a sign, and it's a sign of this, that the division between heaven at the top and earth at the bottom has now been destroyed. And in Christ, they've been reconnected together again. This is the way one of the writers in the last book of the Bible, Revelation, puts it. Revelation 21. He sees a picture of what's going to happen at the end of time. He says, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now amongst his people. He will live with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them. 
And ultimately, this is what's going to happen at the end of time. God is going to cause a new creation to be birthed where he himself will dwell again with his people, just as he did in the Garden of Eden. So he will do at the end of time. Friends, the world is not going to hell in a handbasket. That is good news. God has a plan to renew all things, even at a cosmic level. So that's the first two reasons why the ascension is so critical, so important for us. And then the third and final reason, and very, very briefly, is this, is that the ascension shows us that Jesus now has authority to pour out the Holy Spirit. In fact, Jesus said to his disciples, it's good for you that I go away so that I can pour out the Spirit, so you can receive the Spirit, which happens on the day of Pentecost. And Peter specifically connects the ascension with the giving of the Spirit. Acts 2.32, this is what Peter says. He says, God has raised this Jesus to life and we are all witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. And the giving of the Spirit is the final proof that Jesus' work on the cross was finished. He is now sat at the right hand of the Father and he is pouring out his presence on his people. So friends, in conclusion, the ascension matters. You know, and without it, we have no kingdom. We have no king. Without the ascension, we have no hope of the future. Without the ascension, we have no kind of, power to live this life but with the ascension it changes everything we understand this jesus is now the king of kings he's been crowned with many crowns we can trust him he's been given all authority in heaven and on earth it means that we know that god's work is finished in jesus it gives us hope for this life that he is renewing all things he is at work in our lives and also the ascension of jesus shows this that he has poured out his spirit on us to extend the kingdom wherever we go. I tell you what, the ascension really mattered a great deal for the early church. And I would suggest that we make as much fuss about this particular doctrine as we do about every other, because the ascension of Jesus really matters. So God bless you today as you think about these things. And I pray that this Easter period is one where you encounter and experience the blessing of our mighty ascended risen Lord Jesus. God bless you.